Here we go. It is time for the playoffs. And here we are on the Chiefs Zone Podcast talking about that. The Chiefs and the Titans squaring off on Saturday. Should be a fun one to watch, especially if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Plenty of reasons to get into why Chiefs fans should definitely look forward to this. And a lot to get into here on this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Welcome into the podcast, everyone. I'm Farzi Vasugi in a very exciting episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast here to talk about the playoffs for the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs and Titans will square off this Saturday to kick off the NFL postseason. Kind of funny, the uh, the Chiefs kicked off the NFL regular season with a win, and hey, maybe they kick off the NFL postseason with a win. So it's only fitting that you put Kansas City in these positions where they open up the regular season or open up the postseason. Uh, unlike the regular season where they did open up on the road, they actually get to open the postseason at Arrowhead. So... Uh, getting uh, some some good reward for that. Of course, winning the AFC West, getting at least one home game, possibly a second. Very slim chance for that, but hey, you never know. Crazier things have happened, but we'll take it one step at a time. Although I will say, I'll let you guys know about the possible future because I know Chiefs fans always, and all football fans want to know, you know, if we win this game, who do we face in the next game? I'll get into that. Some notable stats for the Kansas City Chiefs in 2017. I'll give you guys my awards for the Derek Thomas and Mackley Hill Award, the Team MVP Award, and Rookie of the Year Awards. I'll also give you my Game of the Year for the Kansas City Chiefs for 2017. A couple of interesting notes regarding Andy Reid and some of the head coaching firings that I mentioned last podcast, or on social media I mentioned. Some news about John Gruden and whether him covering this game with the Chiefs is a conflict of interest considering the possibility of him going to the Oakland Raiders next season. Gil Brandt posted some interesting Alex Smith numbers that I want to talk about here, and ESPN Stats and Info also had some uh, interesting uh, nuggets about Alex Smith in this game. And a Denver Broncos player made a very intriguing comment about Alex Smith in this game. And then, of course, I'll preview the game between the Chiefs and the Titans in this one. I'll give you guys my predictions for the other three postseason games that will be taking place around the NFL And as always, at the end of the podcast, I will go around the NFL out of bounds and I'll give you guys my penalty flags for this episode. A lot to get into here on this episode of the Chiefs Home Podcast. If you guys want to interact with me, you can do so on social media, facebook.com slash Farzine That is my Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. And you guys can also email me, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Going back to the Facebook for one moment, you guys can check out my Facebook Live videos at halftime and after each and every single game. So be sure you check me out on Facebook Live at halftime and after the game. Again, that is facebook.com slash Vasugian. I am finally back in Kansas City after spending New Year's in Las Vegas. Had a lot of fun doing that. Of course, the last podcast you guys heard, I uh, recorded a brief episode from Las Vegas. I uh, definitely felt like, you know, I had to get something out there considering... Uh, once this regular season was over, uh, we would all know what would happen for the Chiefs in terms of who they would play and when they, they would play, and all of that was announced shortly after the final regular season game. Uh, and this is kind of interesting because we all know that Chiefs fans are one of the best in the NFL. They're of, they've, of course, got the noise record for loudest uh, fan base in the NFL. But according to... A ticket vendor called Tickets IQ, and I'm reading this on Arrowhead Pride. This is written by Joel Thorman, the guy who runs the website and a former guest on the podcast. 
Ticket IQ said earlier this week that the cheapest playoff ticket you can find among all four of the playoff games for this weekend is in Kansas City at $51. Uh, According to Arrowhead Pride, StubHub does have tickets for $44, so it's possible that ticket prices have changed since this article was written uh, versus when that information from Ticket IQ was released. And... In fact, this is actually cheaper than uh, ticket prices when the Chiefs won the AFC West six years ago against the, or seven years ago rather, when they were getting ready to face the Baltimore Ravens after winning the division in 2010. Uh, Listen, uh, let me just say this. Uh, There are a lot of, uh, and I, I think to open up with this conversation as to why Ticket sales might not be as high as expected. Well, number one, I, I, the weather is just absolutely awful. I mean, flying back this week, and I love to, I, I love to travel, especially to Vegas. Uh, but flying back uh, from you know fifties and sixties kind of weather to this, I mean, geez, uh, you, you immediately feel it when you get off the plane. And look, the thing about going to a game. Uh, it's got to be worth it, especially if you're going to go in these frigid temperatures. Now, I know it's going to be in the 20s or 30s this weekend, supposedly better than what it is right now in Kansas City, which isn't saying a whole lot. I mean, it's still going to be pretty damn damn freezing. But the thing is, uh, you know, when I say it's got to be worth it, I think Chiefs fans, as much as they're excited, a lot of Chiefs fans, I guess, tend to get really skeptical because this... This is the time of year where the Chiefs, I mean, they have great regular seasons, but they have nothing to show for it. And you look at the three other seasons where the Chiefs were the last team to lose a game, 2003, 2010, and 2013. The Chiefs started 9-0 in 2003 and 2013, and they were 3-0 in 2010. And a bye week also helped them stay undefeated, um, making them the only unbeaten team going into week four or week five, rather, that season. The Chiefs did not win a playoff game in any of those years. And you look at this year, the Chiefs started 5-0, and the last team to lose a football game. They dropped their first game to the Steelers. And, you know, you're kind of wondering, are they just going to follow this, this same road of great starts, but then a very disappointing ending to, to a season? Last year, I mean, the Chiefs didn't get off to a 5-0 start, a 6-0 start, but they finished the season 12-4. and They went on a very big run after their bye week when they started 2-2. Two and two, And next thing you know, this football team is dominating on all cylinders only to lose to the Steelers in the playoffs in which it was just their kicker who scored all the points for them. So this is... Uh, it's tough because I, I think Chiefs fans, they, they want it to be worth their time. And you've got to consider this too because what's the viewing experience like now? You know, when you go to a game now, uh, you consider the fact that they're just, I mean, people just seem to want to set the record for just how, uh, how much of a pain in the neck they can be and how much they can ruin the experience for other people when they go to a sporting event, especially a football game. It's always a rowdy crowd. Uh, never really been that type of person. I mean, it's, a drink here or there is fine, but gosh, I mean, people who just have too many and start all these fights and just all these other things that go on. And when you also consider the fact that 
you know, HDTV, the, you know, the, the viewing experience at home, how much it's changed over the years is a lot better. And of course, you know, you don't have to pay a whole lot of money for, for a beer and such. And look, I mean, if you got the fine, the finance for that, sure, go for it. I, I mean, I was at UFC 219 this weekend. Uh, my dad and I were at the Bud Light Lounge. Uh, which basically what it is, it's a section in the middle of the arena on the first level. You have your own air lounge. I mean, you don't have to wait in long lines for drinks or anything. They have it all right there for you. And you've got your own restroom. So you don't even have a long line for that. It's just two sections who share that area. So there's really no reason to leave your section unless you've got to go outside and smoke a cigarette. If, that, if that's something you do, uh, that's the only reason anyone would have to leave their uh, their area. But uh, listen, I get it. I mean, I, I paid eight bucks for uh, for a water and twelve for a beer. Uh, I mean, these kinds of things are pretty pricey. Not everyone's able to afford them, and then that's certainly understandable. Uh, but if you're able to afford it, hey, good for you. Uh, more more power to you. Uh, you, you know, all more of the reason for you to go if you want to go. Uh, but for a lot of people, you know, uh, waiting in line in the cold and not being able to see your team, maybe you miss a drive here and there. Possibly you miss a big play. And more, you see more and more times Arrowhead that used to almost average that 79,000, 80,000 uh, number for attendance. You just don't see it much anymore. You really don't. Uh, that number has gone down drastically. I think the renovations, you saw some fewer seats. And you, you just don't see a sellout anymore at Arrowhead nowadays. I mean, you, you'll see a lot of empty seats, especially in the second level, the yellow seats. Uh, the most... Uh, pricey tickets you'll find at arrowhead uh i I remember i remember in the 90s and the 2000s uh when those seats were packed uh everyone showed up just about every single seat was filled was very hard to find an empty seat at arrowhead and now here you are you see uh not many fans at least for right now not going but you know maybe that changes as uh, i mean they've got to sell these tickets so at some point they may the prices may continue to go down on StubHub, Ticketmaster, wherever uh, tickets for less, all all these places where you can buy tickets, and fans are probably gonna at the last minute buy a ticket and and want to go out there, nice Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon rather, to go to Arrowhead, watch the game, hope for a win, and when you look at the matchup here, it's not the most exciting matchup for the Titans. Uh, one of the reasons I mentioned, you know, one reason why I think Chiefs fans should be very excited for this game. Uh, especially at Arrowhead, not having won a playoff game at home in so long. But I understand fans uh, have still, I mean, they, they've expected a win at, at Arrowhead. Uh, you know, they, they've had bye weeks at Arrowhead, but still lost to the Colts and lost to the Steelers both times at Arrowhead. They lost to the Ravens a couple of years ago when Jamal Charles went f- for that uh, long run. That was Kansas City's first postseason lead in 13 years at the time. And there was some hope that the Chiefs were about to move on. And I mean, even though it was still early in the game, but that was their only score of that entire game. And uh, it's hard being a Chiefs fan, uh, especially this time of year when your team is still in it. Uh, you, you nowadays, the the more and more these things happen, it's kind of like with, with Kansas basketball. The more upsets you see in March. Especially this past year when KU was stunned at the Sprint Center. You may as well have just had the game at Allen Fieldhouse. Because that was a 99% uh, Jayhawk crowd. And as a KU fan personally, the more and more I just see these upsets in March, I I just expect it nowadays with KU. Although I will say, uh, this has not been a very pretty season for KU basketball. 
at least to their standards. Maybe for other teams that aren't doing so great. I mean, it's not like they're doing terrible record-wise, but they just suffered their second loss at home. But you get the idea. When you when your sports team, like the Chiefs, again, I mentioned they've had some great starts to certain seasons. 2013, 2010, 2003, and this year, and fans are wondering, I mean, are we going to follow the same path where things start out great, but then it just ends in a disappointing Loss where you don't even have a playoff win to show for those magnificent starts to those respective seasons. So it is pretty pretty hard to to buy into all of this. What did I say last season after the playoff loss to the Steelers? I said that regardless of how the Chiefs start, there's no way I'm buying into the hype. I just can't. Now, of course, the schedule wasn't even out yet. And you saw the Patriots in week one. Eventually, you knew the Eagles were were a very good football team. The Texans, Deshaun Watson, all that. Uh, basically, I mean, with that 5-0 and start, even though it wasn't the prettiest on the defensive side, with everything Alex Smith had, had been able to do this year, there was just a ton of reason to buy back into the hype. Then we all know what happened. Six of the seven games that the Chiefs lost, and then they bounced back and found a way to finish strong, winning uh, their last three games, snapping that losing streak of theirs. Or excuse me, winning their last four games, rather. But you get the idea. Uh, It's been an up-and-down year for the Chiefs, and hopefully they can climb out with some sort of a win in this one because... This this franchise is overdue, not just for a playoff win at Arrowhead. Again, has it not happened since 1994, but overdue for a Super Bowl win. Has not happened since 1970, before the merger. I mean, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl right before the merger happened. So, this is this is one of those times where it's important for the Chiefs to, to step it up and find a way to win. Now, there are some interesting playoff nuggets that I definitely want to get into, and we'll read all of that in just a moment. Real quickly, a lot of people have been asking, you know, who, who does KC visit next? And obviously, it depends on what happens in the game between the Jaguars and the Bills. Here's what, what's going to happen. If the Chiefs do move on, and if the Jaguars beat the Bills, then the Chiefs visit the Patriots. Of course, we remember a couple of years ago, the Chiefs visited the Patriots, fell short in that playoff game uh, after defeating the Texans. That was on the road in Foxborough, but of course... You know, all of that's different now, uh, but even this year, you know, a lot has happened since week one, so uh, surely, I mean, the teams are still fairly similar, uh, but you can't deny that uh, I think Chiefs fans would have a lot more optimism this time around going to Foxborough than they did a couple of years ago or even going into the regular season this year, so uh, certainly something Kansas City fans would not fear this time around, if the Bills beat the Jaguars, then Kansas City would visit the Steelers, a team they lost to in the playoffs last year, lost to in the regular season this year. They were dominated by them last year in the regular season on Sunday Night Football. But if their wide receiver Antonio Brown is not available, door could be wide open. AB has had Casey's number just about every single time they play each other, with the exception of when Ben Roethlisberger was out in 2015. That was the rebound point for the team uh, when they started 1-5. But this is a this is a postseason where, look, sure, Kansas City has a number 4 seed, but they beat the number 1 seed. 
And they also beat the number one seed in the NFC side. So, and I understand the Eagles at the time were a different team uh, in week two. They didn't have Ajayi, whereas now they do. But they've also lost their quarterback too. That's another thing to consider. But the point being here is this Chiefs team, they've lost to some of the worst teams this year. And they've beaten some of the best teams this year. It's kind of a weird season. It really is. I do want to go back to the regular season for just one moment uh, and look at some of the notable individual stats that the Chiefs or, or Chiefs players were first in. Here's the most obvious one. Kareem Hunt led the league in rushing yards with 1,327 yards. Kareem Hunt also led the NFL in runs of 20-plus yards uh, with 12. He actually tied first place with LaShawn McCoy of the Buffalo Bills. Alex Smith Led the league in and, uh, passer rating, had the highest uh, rated uh, passer rating with a 104.7. Travis Kelsey led all tight ends in receptions with 83. Tyreek Hill, this is a very interesting one here. You consider the fact that Kareem Hunt had more 20 plus yard runs. Tyreek Hill led the league in receptions of 40 plus yards with nine this year. And all the deep passes that, that you've seen Alex to throw to Tyreek Hill leading in touchdowns, and Tyreek Hill, the stat of him, and all the Long touchdowns he's had since he's come into the league. It's a pretty high number. And no one even comes close to challenging Tyreek Hill in that area. So you know you've got a dominant weapon in Tyreek Hill. Who, whose father did, uh, or someone in his family. The word is it's, it was his father. Um, not exactly sure who. But someone in his family did pass away. And he was not with the team this past week. Probably would not have played anyway. Because the Chiefs were saving their starters. Uh, but... Uh, Prayers to him and his family, but he is looking to come back this week with the team. Marcus Peters led the NFL in interception yards returned with 137. And Harrison Butker led the NFL in total field goals made in the AFC with 38. This is also an interesting one, by the way. And I don't know how much you can really look into this, considering Pat Mahomes only played one game for the Chiefs this season. Uh, But Alex Smith led the NFL in yards per game. With 279.3 yards. Keep that number in mind. 279.3. Pat Mahomes is second in the NFL. Right behind the guy that he backs up. With 279 yards. 0.3 yards behind Alex Smith. Now again, how much can you look into that? It was just one game Pat Mahomes played. Uh, But, you know, as far as... Yards per game, how much, how many yards they average per game. Alex Smith is number one in the NFL, and Pat Mahomes is number two. Now, there's been all kinds of talk about how, how different the offense looked with Pat Mahomes. I don't want to get too much into that, because Pat Mahomes did play with backups in this one. And I'm not taking anything away from him. Surely you guys know me. I, I, I'm a full supporter of Pat Mahomes. Uh, but, but as of now, I mean, he, he has not had a chance to play with the starters. And doesn't have a lot of familiarity with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, whereas Alex Smith does at this point in the season. And there's all this talk about how, you know, maybe a Super Bowl win could change things. But if the Chiefs don't win a championship, Alex Smith could be on the trade block. And especially with a stat like this, leading the league in that category, plus the quarterback rating that he has. He could be a very... Hot commodity this offseason in terms, I mean, obviously you've got, you've got your free agents, but listen, uh, and let's not forget about the draft either, but look, at the end of the day, proven quarterbacks who are available, whether it's through free agency or a trade, 
they have far more value than a rookie. I mean, with a rookie, you never know sometimes with these guys. There are a lot of guys who are hit or miss. A lot of guys who have high expectations but just completely fall flat and never live up to the hype. A guy like Alex Smith, if the Chiefs want to move forward with Pat Mahomes, and again, you you traded up 23 spots to get him. Uh, and when you have Alex Smith available, or not available necessarily, but with one year left in his contract... Obviously, you know, I thought, and so did a lot of people, thought that, you, you know, you reach your potential with Alex Smith. You can't go any further with him. And oddly enough, when the Chiefs trade up to get this quarterback, Alex Smith has the best season of his life. So, you know, what what version of Alex Smith are we going to see in the postseason? And can that version be the same one we saw in week one where he just flat out dominates, has a field day with his pass catchers? The running game also dominates. And next thing you know, Alex Smith looks like Tom Brady for the NFL. Uh, At the same time, if he does look like Tom Brady, you know, his trade value will go up. And with all the head coaching vacancies and all the possible quarterback changes that we're going to see, and let's not forget Matt Nagy, and I'll get into him shortly, he's being interviewed for a couple of head coaching gigs right now. There are a lot of people that could be after Alex Smith. And again, Matt Nagy could be one of those guys where he has a familiarity with Alex Smith. Maybe another team that is just absolutely desperate for a quarterback and they need one right now. Well, look at the guy who led the NFL on yards per game and who had the highest quarterback rating. Especially when the Chiefs have a guy that they should really start moving forward with for 2018. So that is something that I think would be very interesting to watch this offseason. So there you have it. Those are some of the notable stats uh, that the Chiefs players led in this year. My MVP this year, and this is kind of a crazy one because of the amount of criticism that he's taken, especially from me, but you got to give it to Alex Smith this year. As I said earlier, I, I mean, everyone thought he had reached his potential, but he had the best game of his, or best season of his career and just flat out dominated mo- most passing yards he's had uh, this season. Last year, Finishing last year was the highest amount of passing yards he's ever thrown in a single season, and then he tops it off this year once again, back-to-back years, but this time doing so, surpassing the 4,000-yard mark for the first time in his career. Rookie of the year, I almost gave it to Harrison Butker because he was the more consistent one, but Kareem Hunt's impact really helped Kansas City get off to a great start and essentially finish strong after a a crazy middle of the season. So I've got to give Rookie of the Year to Kareem Hunt. Almost could have given him the MVP award as well. Game of the Year, this is a very difficult one. A lot of people are giving the Game of the Year, the Chiefs Game of the Year, Week 1 at New England. And here's what I look for. I look for a stunner. And I thought, you know, the the Week 1 game against New England, that's certainly an obvious one. I look for a very close, crazy ending to a game. Now, I know it resulted in a loss, but that Thursday night football game to Oakland, I know as Chiefs fans, we may not like the ending of that game, but uh, if, I, if, I can, if I'm speaking objectively, and if you guys can look at it objectively for two seconds, that was one hell of an ending to watch. It really was. Again, I know it didn't go Casey's way. Not, every, not all the fans agree with the officiating in that one, uh, but I've said it before. I, I, the officiating was horrible both ways. It was not just against Kansas City. Everyone's just talking about Kansas City side of it because uh, of what happened in the end there, and they were the ones who lost. Now, if the Chiefs hold in the end there and don't allow the Raiders to score and can act, and honestly speaking, I thought those were actually fair flags thrown. Uh, but look, if the Chiefs hold there, everyone's talking about the Raiders getting screwed. But point being here, 
That was still an exciting game. I actually considered that to be the, the most exciting Chiefs game this year. Not the most positive Chiefs game this year, but one of the most exciting ones. However, I'm actually giving the Chiefs game of the year Week 17 at Denver. The one this past weekend. And the reason is, what I look for, I look for exciting endings. And I know this one had a preseason feel to it. But to be honest, when you saw your rookie quarterback do the things he did in this football game, going out there under pressure, making all these big passes, and all that final drive, Pat Mahomes really made a name for himself. It's just one game. But it was against a a good defense. And I know they pulled a lot of their backups midway through the game, but you still saw Chris Harrison keep to lead for the first couple of drives. Uh, Von Miller played uh, half the snaps, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, But even in the end, though, uh, even against some of the Broncos' backups, because they were just trying to wrap up the season as well after the rough year they've had, that was Pat Mahomes going out there and doing some work. He really was. And you've got to give credit to him, and that really made for an exciting ending. At the end of the day, what do I want to see from from the Chiefs? I want to see them, when the game is on the line, march down the field and find a way to score. Just like how they did last year at Denver. Coincidentally, the, the same situation on the road at Denver. Uh, and the Chiefs got that game-winning field goal from Harrison Butker with three seconds left. To finish it off, time expired. And the Chiefs went on to win and improved to 10-6 and six on the season with Pat Mahomes in his NFL debut. So that's my game of the year for 2017. I know a lot of people are going to disagree and go with the New England one. And again, that's a very close one too. And when you have a season like the Chiefs did, when you're in the playoffs, you obviously had some great games, some memorable ones. So it's not like there's one game that completely outshines the other. Uh, I mean, of course, the Patriots won the the, the setting and the storyline going into that one. And the unexpected result, of course, played a role in that. Uh, but it was not the most exciting game necessarily because the Chiefs just flat out dominated the Patriots in the fourth quarter there. That Pat- that, that uh, Broncos one, that was a close back and forth. The Broncos came back and the Chiefs, after the game was tied, found a way to finish off the Broncos and improve to 10-6 and six on the season. Now, of course, a lot of head coaching vacancies taking place. Uh, the Broncos uh, have decided to retain Vance Joseph. But here's a very interesting stat that I want to read to you guys. And I mentioned this on social media. Ever since the Chiefs hired Andy Reid in 2013, the Broncos, the Raiders, and the Chargers have fired five head coaches combined. And I'm not including uh, head coaching changes with the interim coaches. I'm talking the actual full-on main head coaches. Five total firings with these teams. And here are the Chiefs. They still have Andy Reid under the helm. Now look, I don't think the most tenured coach in a division leads to the most successful. I mean, look at Gary Kubiak. He was barely in Denver, and he led the Broncos to a Super Bowl, which which is the odd thing. That's the one thing I want to bring up. The Broncos won a Super Bowl two years ago, finished above 500 both years with Kubiak, still fired him. They almost fired Joseph. I mean, what gives? I understand that we are in a in a time where patience is very low and, and everyone wants to win now. But a team like the Broncos that just recently won a Super Bowl and for them to change head coaches and almost change another one, I guess it kind of makes you glad. And listen, I'm not taking anything away from the Broncos Super Bowl season 
Uh, that's something that, that, you know, Broncos fans should forever cherish. Uh, that, uh, the Super Bowl win is a special moment. The Super Bowl is one of the biggest moments. Of, I mean, it's the biggest televised event. And so many people gather around for it. You want to talk about ratings dropping. Uh, people are still watching that game, though. And in some weird way, it's nice that Andy Reid is still the head coach of the team. But wouldn't you rather, would you rather fire head coaches and still come away with a Super Bowl win? Or would you rather have a long-tenured coach? I mean, the answer is pretty obvious. Look, I'm not saying head coaching changes, having so many of them in a small time span is great. Uh, The Chiefs in three seasons went from Todd Haley to Romeo Cornell to Andy Reid. Three different coaches in three years, not great. Uh, But of course, that's led to better things now. But at the same time, it hasn't led to a Super Bowl win either. So it is nice that the Chiefs are able to keep their head coach while other teams in the division can't even decide who they want as their head coach. But at the end of the day, show something for it. And it's very similar to this next set I want to read about Alex Smith. Gil Brandt wrote that his 12 touchdown passes and two interceptions in the six playoff games that Alex Smith has played is the best postseason touchdown-to-interception ratio of any player in the Super Bowl era with a minimum of 200 pass attempts. This is a great stat and all. But his postseason record, guys, is 2-4. and four. Now, look, I, I'm not making excuses for Alex Smith. But at the same time, I kind of am. I, I, I just am. Here's the thing. There's no denying that some of the losses for Alex that Alex Smith has incurred, they don't fall on his shoulders. Kyle Williams muffing that punt, and again, I, I don't blame I don't blame games on one or two plays or on officiating. I, I've never believed in that. But that muff punt from Kyle Williams, his performance in that game uh, in the NFC title game against the Giants, in which it should have been Alex Smith and the 49ers facing the Patriots that year, instead it was the Giants who once again defeated the Patriots. Gosh, I mean, if Kyle Williams doesn't have that bad game, maybe Alex Smith and the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. And let's not forget the phenomenal offensive performance Alex Smith and the Chiefs offense had against the Colts a few years ago. And the defense just completely collapses in allowing Indianapolis to come back in that game. Now, I ask you guys on Facebook, what are your thoughts on Alex Smith's individual success in the postseason? Do you think it'll end differently this time around? Another interesting note from ESPN Stats and Info, Alex Smith has led the NFL in 17 completions on passes thrown at least 30 yards downfield this season. Shocking, shocking. Alex Smith led the NFL in 17 completions uh, thrown beyond 30 yards downfield. He had 16 total of such completions from 2013 to 2016. Of course, all of those years as a member of the Chiefs. And look, you credit Travis Kelsey evolving and becoming a much better tight end, Kareem Hunt, and the job that he did. And of course, the biggest one, Tyreek Hill, and what he's been able to do. Uh, Let's not forget Chris Conley. He's had some big catches this year. I know Chris Conley suffered an injury this year, uh, that, that, that that leg injury. But when he was available, he was a big target for Alex Smith. Albert Wilson has been has been able to make some big plays, some some big catches for the Chiefs this season, and that's helped Alex Smith have those seventy completions of passes thrown thirty yards downfield. So it, all these stats are nice, by the way, especially the postseason one, 12 touchdowns, two picks in six playoff games. 
But again, kind of like the the stat with Andy Reid being the longest tenured coach in the AFC, how many championships do you have to show for it? Not a whole lot. And hopefully that's something that'll change sooner rather than later. One more story on Alex Smith that I want to get into. Uh, and this, I don't want to get too much into this. I mean, look, it's just one person's opinion, but a lot of people are talking about it. Broncos cornerback and former Kansas Jayhawk Aqib Talib said, uh, and by the way, the Broncos have been praising Pat Mahomes. Uh, Von Miller, uh, Chris Harris, Aqib Talib, a lot of them had nothing but great things to say about Pat Mahomes and what they saw from him. And they talked about how the future's bright. I know Richard Sherman did something similar, and he praised uh, Deshaun Watson after the Seahawks and the Texans played. But Aqib Talib made a very interesting comment, kind of taking a shot at Alex Smith, too. He said, quote, I saw enough of Patrick Mahomes to think that Alex Smith will be a free agent next year. Now, again, we saw some predictions saying that Alex Smith would end up in Denver. It would be kind of interesting to see how that would all pan out. But I don't know. Kind of a kind of a shocking comment from Aqib Talib, who I know is kind of known to be the, uh, the biggest knucklehead in the NFL as well, but kind of an interesting comment I want to throw out there. I shared it on Facebook. Not, not a lot of you guys had a, had a lot to say about it. Uh, but by the way, speaking of Pat Mahomes, I don't know if you guys saw this. I mentioned uh, the Jayhawks lost at Allen Fieldhouse. Pat Mahomes was at Allen Fieldhouse supporting his Texas Tech Red Raiders. Of course, he went to Texas Tech. And Texas Tech pulled off an upset at Allen Fieldhouse. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like this Pat Mahomes effect is is really starting to show. 1-0 in the NFL so far. Second in the NFL in uh, average yards per game. And... His appearance at Allen Fieldhouse, look, I don't know if it's too big of a coincidence, uh, but I'm not seeing the Freeman Holmes uh, m- movement yet, at least not for right now because of the, well, I know I said it during the season, but for the playoffs, no. You go with Alex Smith because he has the experience with the starters up to this point, but for next year, you got you to gotta free Mahomes. You got to free him up and let him get out there. I'll get into the game in just a moment. Uh, well, actually, uh, speaking of the game, John Gruden is going to be announcing it for ESPN, and he is doing the Kansas City coverage this week. And there's all this talk about John Gruden possibly scouting the Chiefs because he's also reportedly going to accept the job with the Oakland Raiders next year. Here's what I'll say about this. And... Tom Hedrick, by, by the way, one of the nicest guys you will ever come across. For, for those older Chiefs fans who, who are listening, you guys know who Tom Hedrick is. Longtime broadcaster and just a phenomenal, one of the nicest guys you will ever come around. Former Chiefs broadcaster. I believe he also broadcaster for the Jayhawks. I have his book, uh, and I've had the uh, pleasure of meeting him. I know he still calls KU baseball games uh, for their network. Uh, just one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Uh, he used to be a KU uh, instructor. Uh, teaching sports broadcasting classes, and I know he had, uh, uh, oh boy, uh, his his name escapes my mind right now, Bob Costas. He, I mean, he's had guys like Bob Costas, so, uh, Al Michaels, so many big names who have come to KU and talked uh, to students. Uh, he, he is retired. I mean, he's still uh, he's still a teacher. He actually teaches at Baker University, the smaller size class, so it fits for him at his age and being retired. Uh, but he also, uh, he's always willing to talk to students, uh, KU students, K-State students, whoever, and, um, you know, he, he's giving me some great critique. I was not the greatest play-by-play broadcaster in college, but, uh, you know, I've showed him my tape many times, or had him listen to it, and, you know, he, I definitely improved uh, with his guidance, and he definitely had seen improvement in me. Uh, one of the nicest guys you'll ever come around. One thing he told me, 
is that back when he was announcing, and by the way, he announced Super Bowls 1, 3, and 4 for CBS Radio. He mentioned that back then, because social media was not around back then, you didn't have all these, you know, Spygate and everything else that's, that was happening back then. He said that coaches actually handed a copy of the game plan to the announcers. Because back then, I mean, media was different too. If today someone on ESPN announces the game plan, obviously the other team picks it up. So back then when, you know, media didn't happen right away, when news broke, not everyone knew it at the moment like they do today. So when you were given essentially play sheets and game plans, there was a lot of trust back then. Especially with media not being as big and social media not being really a thing at the time. Announcers actually got the game plan. Now look. I know John Gruden is possibly going to be the Raiders head coach next year. But even if he wasn't, Andy Reid isn't going to just reveal the play-by-play game plan to anybody. Now, sure, I understand everyone's perspective on this. Now that John Gruden is a candidate for the Raiders head coaching job, uh, he may have a different mindset when he walks into the Arrowhead practice facilities. Uh, and people are talking about how, you know, he should not be given a tour. He's already he's already had a tour. The Chiefs had uh, two Monday Night Football games this year. So I don't know what giving a tour would do to a coach in terms of uh, in terms of having an advantage of, of some sort, I mean, it's not like, I mean, if he knows where the locker room is, it's not like Gruden's going to know the game plan for 2018. Listen, 2018's, uh, I mean, a few months away. But even so, Andy Reid's not going to just reveal all these step-by-step schematics to him. And yeah, sure, John Gruden's going to watch the Chiefs in practice, but look, I don't care if you're the only one. I don't care if you have a video camera. At practice, And I know this sounds silly because of the Spygate incident that happened with the Patriots. But, I mean, unless you have a microphone in that huddle, or if you're in the team meetings, and I don't know exactly how much access these coaches have, or coach, these uh, game announcers have. But look, I, I don't think John Gruden is in on everything. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he's not. He does get an opportunity to meet with players and coaches individually by himself. He, he gets to do interviews on his own. But again, I don't think he he will attain the the formula, the recipe that the Chiefs ha- want to put together for a win. And even if he does for this game, how does that affect the Chiefs and the Raiders for next year? Every game plan is different. So I understand everyone's concern, especially with what what Spygate and all, everything that's happened since then. But look, uh, I'm almost certain. That John Gruden, all he gets, he gets individual interviews with everyone that he wants. He probably gets to see a little bit more of practice than most of the media. But at the end of the day, like I said, I don't care uh, how much, I don't care if you're there every day watching every single minute of practice. Unless you have a microphone hooked up to all the coaches and all the players, there's just no way of knowing exactly what they're running and, and what exactly is is going to happen when the game starts. I mean, they they run a lot of things in practice throughout the week, and not all of them are easy to memorize. Sure, there might be a couple of things you may pick up on, certain, you know, if if they're running to the right a little bit more or, or whatnot. But you can also pick that up on game film as well. 
Uh, so again, I, I know a lot of people are making a big deal out of this, but I don't think it's it's really that big of a deal. Somebody on the Facebook page, and I forgot who said this, somebody said this would be no different than assistant coaches who are interviewing for other jobs out there, which is absolutely true. I mean, look at Doug Peterson. Uh, he, the fact that he actually was familiar with the Chiefs for a couple of years and he went over to the Philadelphia Eagles. Did the Eagles beat the Chiefs this year? No, not at all. So listen, I, I think fans, and by the way, I've seen fans in the preseason get all worked up because they cut us a, a quarterback and uh, one fan said, oh, this quarterback's going to go to another team and hand out the game plan. You cannot, a quarterback cannot hand out the full game plan. First of all, the quarterback only knows his side of the of the ball. The quarterbacks don't know much about the defensive side. So I think fans really do look way too much into things like this. Unless Andy Reid gives him a play sheet of everything and, and when things are going to be called and what the game plan is, then look, there's no reason to get all worked up about John Gruden still working for ESPN and covering the Chiefs while also still possibly being uh, the Raiders head coach for next season. And by the way, speaking of assistants that could be interviewing for other jobs, I mentioned Matt Nagy. Uh, He is currently doing interviews with the Indianapolis Colts and the Chicago Bears. A lot of people don't like the fact that assistants do interviews during the season. This is very common in college football because the college regular season ends a little bit sooner than the NFL's. Uh, But college coaches still finish their seasons. Uh, Assistants, they still, I mean, look at, uh, look at Kyle Shanahan. He was, he was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons. They made it to the Super Bowl. Now his moronic play calling in the end definitely cost the team, but I don't think it had anything to do with a distraction from the 49ers. Uh, I, again, I think that's just fan. That's just fans looking way too much into distractions or what they think is really a distraction. Uh, I know Alex Smith. He was doing interviews the same postseason. Doug Peterson. It was rumored Doug Peterson was going to Philadelphia, and Alex Smith was pretending like he was completely oblivious to all. I mean, please come on. Nowadays, with with the internet, social media, all this, and how much talk radio uh, there is. There's just no way of not knowing that these things are happening. There's no way of not knowing these things. But uh, listen, Matt Nagy's being interviewed, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, that's a great thing. That just shows how great of an assistant uh, coaching staff you have. And teams want him. It's not Listen, it's not like Matt Nagy is skipping practices. I'm sure there are phone interviews, or they, at the very least, they fly to Kansas City to meet with him. Uh, teams do have an off day in the middle of the week, so that's possibly one of the days where Matt Nagy could be flying out and doing these interviews. As long as it's not interfering with his schedule, there's no issue with this. And let's not forget special teams coordinator Dave Tobe, especially with the, and he's been rumored to be a head coach for years. With the amount of head coaching vacancies this year, and you can never count out the fact that there could be one or two surprises as well. There's a possibility the Chiefs could lose their offensive coordinator in Nagy and their special teams coordinator in Dave Tobe. They've had Dave Tobe a little bit longer than they probably should have, but it's all, I, th- I think he's a little overdue to finally accept a head coaching gig in the NFL. And Matt Nagy, uh, look what happened last time when Andy Reid handed off the play calling duties. Doug Peterson got hired, and Matt Nagy could be following in Doug Peterson's footsteps and getting an NFL jo- a head coaching job after taking play calling duties from Andy Reid. Final note before we get into the Chiefs and Titans matchup here, uh, just a quick note. The Chiefs have brought back a former running back. C.J. Spiller is back with the team. 
Uh, look, make what you want of that. Uh, I, I do think this has been kind of a crazy year for C.J. Spiller. The fact that he has accepted a job with the Chiefs and has been constantly cut back and forth, back and forth. But a uh, couple injuries. Uh, Charkandrick West has been dealing with an injury of some sort, uh, not officially out yet. Uh, but the Chiefs, uh, they, I mean, they were short on running back. They used Anthony Sherman as their feature running back this past week. And he did a fairly good job with it too, by the way. Uh, but the Chiefs would like to have a more viable option there uh, to to fill in for Kareem Hunt at times. And C.J. Spiller could be that guy if Shark Kendrick West is a no-go for Saturday. And a quick look at the injury report for the Chiefs. Cameron Irving dealing with a shoulder injury, as is Eric Fisher, both offensive linemen. However, both were full participants in Wednesday's practice. Philip Gaines dealing with an elbow injury. He's, al- he's already listed as out for this game. Uh, Tom Bahali, again, nothing out of the ordinary for him. The knee injury that he's been dealing with for a long time did not participate in practice on Wednesday. Uh, Same thing with Jarvis Jenkins, who has a knee injury, didn't participate, nor did Rakeem Nunes-Roches, who has an ankle injury coming into this week. Charkandrick West dealing with an illness, no word yet on his status for this week. And Albert Wilson, a wide receiver who they definitely need this week, especially after the good game he had coming off uh, Sunday's win over the Broncos dealing with a hamstring injury, and was limited in practice on Wednesday. And I didn't mention this last week, but unfortunately, DeAnthony Thomas took a big hit uh, on a play and uh, had surgery on his uh, on his leg, and obviously not going to be available for the remainder of the season. And uh, we'll see if that uh, plays a role for early in 2018. But DeAnthony Thomas, look, I, I think the Chiefs have been a little more patient with him than they should have, but he's made some plays here and there. And I know he's also been kind of a preseason star, making some teams on special teams in our offense, but we haven't seen a lot of consistency from him on uh, in regular season games on offense. Uh, I know on special teams, he's been given opportunities, but he hasn't done a whole lot. And I still think he can be something special in the NFL. I mean, look, Albert Wilson, not many people knew about him. Not even Chiefs fans didn't know much about him. But look at the impact that he's had this year, especially in this last game against the Broncos. Again, I know that was kind of a preseason feel, but... Uh, it'll be kind of interesting to see if DeAnthony Thomas could maybe rise to the occasion like Albert Wilson did this past season. Titans and the Chiefs. That'll be taking place this Saturday at Arrowhead Stadium. That'll kick off the entire NFL postseason. Let's start with the Titans offense. Ranked 23rd in total offense. 23rd in passing and 15th in running the football when you look at Kansas City in all three of those categories, the Chiefs are 5th in total offense, 7th in passing, and ninth in rushing. Top 10 in all of those categories. Whereas the Titans, they're, tw- they're, in, they're 23rd in passing and in total offense, and they're right in the middle of the road uh, when it comes to running the football. As far as points per game go, the Titans are averaging 20.9 points per game. That's 19th in the NFL, whereas the Chiefs averaging nearly 26 points per game. That is good for 6th best in the NFL. Marcus Mariota is that a phenomenal career, but this season, not, a, not so phenomenal. Not a very good season for Mariota in the 15 games he played. 13 touchdowns, 15 picks. He's thrown 3,232 yards in 15 games that he's played. The Titans started 6-2. and two, Really great start to the season, but then they finished 1-3, and three, just winning this past weekend, barely getting into the playoffs. Probably the playoff team with the least amount of momentum coming into this postseason. And a big part of that has to do with Mariota's poor play this season. And don't forget the backup, 
Matt Castle, familiar name there, former Chiefs quarterback, Pro Bowl quarterback one season at least. Uh, so, you know, if Mariota is not getting the job done in a playoff game where you've got to win, maybe there's an opportunity where Matt Castle steps in. Listen, Matt Castle, of course, has experience in a, in a playoff game, not the greatest experience, but did start for the Chiefs, has a Pro Bowl under his belt, did play for the Patriots one, one season. So uh, there's an opportunity that they could go to the bullpen and Try to put in Matt Castle if Mariota is having a very bad football game. He did have one game this year where he threw four interceptions. So if he has a similar game like that, and if the game's not completely out of reach, I would not put out the possibility of Mike Marlarkey possibly getting Matt Castle to put on his helmet and fill in for Mariota in this one. Now the rushing attack, it's been fairly good for the Titans this season. Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray. DeMarco Murray, formerly with the Cowboys and the Eagles, it did a phenomenal job with the Eagles, or the Cowboys rather, uh, at one point was actually putting up numbers higher than Jamal Charles at the time, but unfortunately things have been going downhill for him, but he's kind of had a nice role here with the Titans where he's had a nice one-two duo working with Derrick Henry. Only 12 carries separate the two, Henry getting more of the load. Both of these running backs combined for just a little more than 1,400 rushing yards and 11 touchdowns on the ground this season. Each of them have fumbled just once this year. Tight end Delaney Walker leads the team in catches and receiving yards. 74 receptions for 807 yards. Three touchdowns on the season. By the way, Delaney Walker, he's the fourth highest rated tight end from pro football focus. Right behind Travis Kelsey. Wide receiver Sean Matthews, second on the team for most receiving yards, and he also leads the team with four touchdown grabs on the year. Eric Decker, who once had a four-touchdown game against Kansas City as a member of the Broncos in 2013, uh, he is second on the team and catches with 54. Only one touchdown this season for him. Offensive line, kind of a below-average offensive line. You have Jack Conklin, the right tackle, who is the highest-rated offensive lineman from pro football focus with an 82 rating. The rest of the offensive line, they are in the 70s, low 70s, except for left guard Quentin Spain, who has a 68.8 rating. So, a below average offensive line for the Titans, not very good uh, overall. And I think that's an area where Kansas City, if they use their pass rush here, and in the games they've won, that pass rush has come alive. And that's helped the Chiefs win a lot of football games. So, if they can do that, if they can put pressure on Mariota and take advantage of this weak offensive line, then this could be a very long day for the Titans. And if Mariota struggles, and if the game is still within reach, then maybe, like I said, going back to my castle, maybe that is where they insert castle and try to see if they can at least find a way to uh, salvage the game one way or another. Flipping over to the other side of the football on the defensive side, looking at the Titans' offense, uh, let's look at their totals first. 13th in total defense, whereas the Chiefs are 28th in that category. 25th against a pass, and the Chiefs are 29th in that area. 4th against the rush, and we all know Kansas City not very good in that. 25th in the NFL in stopping the run. The Titans are giving up 22.3 points per game. That's 17th in the NFL. The Chiefs are surrendering 21.2. That is 16th in the NFL. So the Titans and the Chiefs right next to each other in that category Look at some of the individuals. Outside linebacker Derek Morgan leads the team with seven and a half sacks on the year. Brian Arakpo on the other side of the linebacking corp 
former Texas Longhorn. He is second with seven sacks. Also has three forced fumbles to go along with his season. Defensive tackle Jarrell Casey. I got to get into him later. But he's one of the better defensive inter- interior defenders, I should say, in the NFL. One of the better defensive tackles, too. He's third with six sacks on the team. He anchors a very strong front seven for the Tennessee Titans. And that's a big reason as to why, despite the not-so-great season, finishing 9-7, and seven, uh, that, that front seven has still kept the Titans in a lot of games. And a big reason as to why they've been able to make it to the postseason, despite finishing 1-3 and three in their last four games. Looking at their inside linebacker, Wesley Woodyard. He's got five sacks on the team, along with 124 tackles leading the team in that category. And those 124 tackles, good for 11th in the NFL. And this is where things get kind of interesting. And this is where you where the matchups are going to be pretty fun to watch, too. Safety, Kevin Bayard. Third highest rated safety in the NFL. He co-leads the league with eight interceptions this season. Here's a kind of an interesting number two. Even though he leads the team with eight picks, the Titans have only four other players with an interception. Each of those players have one. So nobody has multiple interceptions on the team except for Bayard, who, again, co-leads the league in that category. So that's nice to have a dominant safety, but if you don't have a, another reliable defensive back when it comes to takeaways, and I'll get into the, to those numbers shortly, it could be a tough game in terms of trying to force turnovers. And when you consider how good Kansas City is at taking care of the football, that's not a good matchup. It doesn't bode well for the Titans in this one. Adoree Jackson, no interceptions this season. The quarterback for the Titans. However, he's one of 16 quarterbacks who played 1,000 snaps on the year. And by the way, he has three forced fumbles for what that's worth, co-leading with Brian Arakbo on the team in that category. So you've got a couple of bright spots on the defense. Some really good pass rushers in Morgan and Arakbo. Jarrell Casey, a really good interior defender. Wesley Woodyard, one of the better uh, inside linebackers in the game. And a couple of notable uh, defensive backs. Kevin Bayard, uh, maybe regardless of what pro football focus has him rated, could possibly be the best safety in the NFL this season. And Adore Jackson, again, his numbers don't show for it, but one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL this year. So what does Kansas City do? Now the Titans have not faced the Chiefs this year. Sure they beat them last year. And they found a way to really take advantage of Kansas City's weak run stopping defense. By utilizing their own running game. But that was last year. And I'm sure Kansas City's going to remember that. And try to prevent that from happening. The Jets did it. Hopefully they don't allow it to happen again. Especially in the playoffs. But here's the thing about last year too. The Chiefs offense was a, was a much different team. You didn't have Alex Smith throwing all these deep bombs to Tyree Kill. And Travis Kelsey's only getting better. And not only that, don't forget about the fact that Kareem Hunt has just been a monster this season. Leading the NFL in rushing yards. And that is something that the Titans are going to have to account for. Yes, they, they, they finished fourth in stopping the run. But I don't. they have not faced a running back like Kareem Hunt this season. And I think that is going to really challenge the Tennessee Titans, and trying to stop him. Something that their defensive coaching staff is going to have to look into and try to figure out, you know, how are we going to stop this guy? And I think that's going to be be the biggest thing for the Chiefs. I mentioned when it comes to wins, the Chiefs do a, the Chiefs have more turnovers on, on the defensive side versus, you know, in their losses. And let's not forget, those, uh, those two takeaways they had during the six of seven losses, 
One of them was on a really stupid trick play where the running back for the Giants threw a pick to Sorensen. And Sorensen had to run from his spot because he saw that play coming from a distance from where he was starting at the snap. But when they win, the Chiefs come away with a lot of sacks and a lot of turnovers. And that's something that they've got to do. As far as the offensive side goes, the Chiefs win their games when Kareem Hunt is having a great day. So... That is another area where the Chiefs have got to, and it doesn't have to be with rushing guards too. We know Kareem Hunt can be very dangerous coming out of the backfield as a pass catcher. So that's one other area where you can use Kareem Hunt, and especially under Andy Reid, with what he's done with Brian Westbrook, LaShawn McCoy, Jamal Charles, Spencer Ware, Charkandrick West. And of course, West is still with the team and as is Ware, but on IR this season. Kareem Hunt's been able to follow in those, guys, those running backs' footsteps in being a really elusive running back, not just on the ground, but also through the air. And he's going to be an important guy for Alex Smith and one of the key targets in this game. I think Kareem Hunt's going to be the the best player for the Chiefs, uh, and he's going to have some big games. I think Tyreek Hill could also have a very big game too, especially going, and he's got a big challenge ahead of him facing Adoree Jackson and also with the safety help that Jackson could be getting from Kevin Bayard. You know that those two are definitely going to keep an eye on on Tyreek Hill, but let's not forget about Travis Kelsey either. Of course, Chiefs fans will never forget about him, but Travis Kelsey, there's no questioning that, you know, defenses have to pick their poison with this Chiefs offense. You've got a 1,000-yard rusher. You've got a 1,000-yard receiving tight end and a 1,000-yard wide receiver. You've got weapons all across the board with this offense, and Albert Wilson, he showed some things in the game this past week against the against the Broncos. This is a defense, this Titans defense, that pass rush better be on its A game. And with Kansas City's inconsistent offensive line, uh, although I will say I, I think they've done a better job as the season's gone on, that front seven for the Titans, especially Derek Morgan and Brian Arakpo, they've got to bring their A game. They've got to have the best game of their careers to limit the Chiefs' offense. And this Chiefs' offense has been very hard to stop. Sure, they, they were limited in those six of seven games I mentioned, but they found a way to bounce back and just go off on... The Chargers on the Raiders. So this is this is a team, and on the Dolphins too, I forgot about that. This is a an offense that's going to be really hard to stop. Even when you've got the best safety in the league and one of the better cornerbacks in the league, there are just too many weapons on Kansas City's side of the field that I think Tennessee's going to have a very hard time matching up with. Real quick look at special teams. You've got Ryan Suckup and Harrison Butker, both are top five in the league, in field goals made. Same amount of attempts. However, Suckup has missed three more than Butker. And let's not forget, Butker also got a late start to the season because he was with the Panthers and then was acquired in week four for the Chiefs. Brett Kern, the punter for the Titans, highest gross and net average yards in the NFL. So obviously the Chiefs going to be facing the best punter they have faced this season. And Brett Kern being the best. Uh, you're not going to face a better punter than him this year, and that could definitely make an impact when it comes to field position. And Adore Jackson, I mentioned him as, as a quarterback, also a fairly good return guy. He's sixth in the league in kick return average yards. Akeem Hunt, number five in that category, so they're side-by-side side there, and also side-by-side side in punt returns too. Jackson is 15th in average punt return yards for the Titans, whereas Tyreek Hill is 16th. In that category. So 15th and 16th in that area. And then 6th and 5th with uh, Jackson and Akeem Hunt. But keep in mind. Uh, even though they're, even though Hill is just one spot behind Jackson. Hill does have the third longest punt return of the season of 82 yards. Did it on Sunday Night Football against the Texans. Uh, 
uh, and that was uh, when the Chiefs advanced to, I believe that was uh, 3-0 on the season. Real quick look at the turnovers. The Chiefs, plus 15 ratio, second highest in the league. They also had 26 takeaways, seventh highest in the league, and they had 11 giveaways. That's the fewest in the NFL in 2017, whereas the Titans, minus 4 on the turnover ratio. That is 23rd in the league. They've had 25 giveaways. That ties for 8th most. And they also tied 16th in takeaways with 21. Obviously an average number there, but with Kansas City and how much of a great job they do taking care of the football, especially since Andy Reid's gotten here, this is going to be very difficult for the Tennessee Titans trying to come up with takeaways in this one. So here are my five keys for the Chiefs in this football game. Number one, get those sacks. Put pressure on the quarterback. And when you put pressure on the quarterback, that leads to number two, you'll get more takeaways. That's something Kansas City needs to do. And Marcus Mariota has not done a good job of taking care of the football. The Chiefs are going to have to come away with a couple of interceptions to try to make it a one-sided football game. The other side of it, on the offensive side, utilize the running game. I think Kareem Hunt's going to have a fairly good game on the ground and through the air against this Titans defense. And look, Tyreek Hill... I think he can also have a really big game. Yeah, the, the, the thing that Tyreek Hill has done, and when you see Alex Smith sling a football deep, you all, even before the camera shows you know, who's about to catch it, you already know before the camera shows it that it's Tyreek Hill. He's the guy who's going to make that big play right there. And next thing you know, Tyreek Hill has it, torching his corner and going all the way to the end zone. And with Travis Kelsey also there, Travis Kelsey I think is going to be mainly the decoy in this one, but I do think he could also come away with a couple of key first downs, moving the change for the Chiefs, and possibly getting a short touchdown catch to help the Chiefs put some points on the scoreboard. So he'll be used in that area as well. Then the biggest thing, the fifth one, and I think this applies uh, not just for this, uh, for this, but the entire postseason, the Chiefs will go as far as Alex Smith takes them. This is this postseason will depend on how Alex Smith plays. And I know I talked about how the, the, the defense, whenever they're getting sacks and turnovers, that leads to wins. When Kareem Hunt's having a good game, that leads to wins. But the thing with Alex Smith, and a guy who does a great job of taking care of the football, took, took him, what, eight, nine games to finally throw an interception? The thing about Alex Smith... When you see the game that he had against the Patriots, against the Eagles, the Texans, the Raiders, uh, in both games really, he went off. I mean, this guy really did have one hell of a season, and that high quarterback rating of his, I mean, that's no accident either. I know we've been very critical of him, but he's managed to rebound late in the season, and he silenced a lot of critics, including myself. But let's not forget how last postseason ended. Gave into the pressure that the Steelers were putting, and the Titans are capable of doing the same thing, and he missed Tyreek Hill wide open several times. Missed a wide open Jeremy Macklin in the end zone. Alex Smith needs to be focused in this. Just basically play the same game he's played all year long. And even in those losses, look, Alex Smith wasn't necessarily terrible, but he had a lot of weird incompletions, and... At times, he just didn't look like the dominant quarterback. And I thought Jim Rome put it really strange, but also accurate. There are times where he looked like Tom Brady, 
and times where he looked like Tyler Palco. And that's definitely a brutal comparison, especially if you're a Chiefs fan. So we don't want to see the Tyler Palco version of Alex Smith. We want to see more of that MVP candidate that we saw in the first half of the season. And I think if Alex Smith can do that, the Chiefs not only win this football game, but there's a very good chance that they could pull off an upset in Week 2, whoever they play on the road, and possibly take that AFC title, that good old Lamar Hunt trophy back home, and go to their first Super Bowl in forever. And it all depends on how Alex Smith does. If we see that MVP Alex Smith, boy, uh, I mean, every the defense will even just look better. And I've said this before, good offense helps a good defense and vice versa. Alex Smith's play is going to affect all of the 22 players that are starting for the Chiefs. That's just how it's going to work. If Alex Smith doesn't play well, I think it's going to have a negative impact on all three phases of the game. And... That's not an area, that's not something you want. So if Alex Smith can play like he did for the good parts of the season, let's put it that way. If he can play like that, this Chiefs team is going to go really far. Let me know your thoughts on this. Facebook.com slash Farzin Follow me on Twitter at Farzin21 and email me Farzin at FarzinVasugian.com. My score in this one, I think it's going to be a fairly low scoring game for the first couple of quarters, but I think this Titans defense is, I mean, the, the stamina is going to kick in. Uh, you're going to see them tired. And I think Kansas is going to have enough uh, time of possession, enough control of that to where Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey can kind of make some big plays near the end. And Kareem Hunt as well. And the Chiefs will pull away in this one. I say the Kansas City Chiefs will come away with a win. I think 27 to, to 10. 27-10 is going to be my score for this one. I think Mariota gets a touchdown in this one. Maybe it comes from the, the rushing game. Uh, but I don't see the Titans really challenging this Chiefs defense. I think it's going to be a multiple possession game, and it's going to be in Kansas City's favor, winning 27-10, moving on. And I'll let you guys know who I think they move on. Looking at the NFL bracket, and I'm saying that like it's a, like it's college basketball or something in March, but I just Googled NFL bracket, and this is what I was able to find. But as far as the Buffalo and Jacksonville game, Kansas City's only chance of hosting an AFC title game would be if Buffalo won and if they pulled off an upset in New England and the Chiefs defeated the Steelers on the road. I don't see Buffalo winning this football game. You guys know me. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of this Jacksonville defense. I think they're going to come away with a win. Jacksonville's going to go visit the Steelers and the Chiefs are going to visit the Patriots for the second time this season. Maybe some fans will love that matchup for a second time. Maybe some fans will fear that. And by the way, that uh, Patriots matchup, that'll be a Saturday night game on CBS. That'll be a 7-15 kickoff if the Chiefs and the Patriots were to play that game. So, uh, I mean, regardless, the Patriots are going to have that time. But if the, I'm, I'm assuming the Chiefs will go on and visit New England. Other games on the NFC side, I, I really like what I've seen from the Rams this season. Jared Goff's had a phenomenal season. Gurley's been great. I think that offense is going to be too much. For the Falcons, I really do. And I think the Falcons, a team once upon a time that choked miserably on the Super Bowl, they're not even going to make it past the wild card round. So I've got the Rams winning over the Falcons. And this one's kind of an interesting matchup. The Panthers and the Saints. Uh, gosh, this is going to be a very close one. Cam Newton, I, he just hasn't been the same MVP player uh, since the same year the, the Panthers won the NFC 
the Saints, they, they've been kind of a, a, kind of a good team on the offensive side. Uh, Drew Brees has just not showed any signs of slowing down. I think in this one, that offense is going to be too much for Carolina to handle. So I think you're going to see a lot of offensive power from the Chiefs, from the Rams, from the Saints, uh, from those three teams. Uh, the Jaguars, I don't think you'll see that so much. I think they're going to win mostly with their defense. But I think they're, the Saints, they're going to pull off a win and defeat Carolina and move on to the divisional round. So I've got the Chiefs. Got the Jaguars, the Rams, and the Saints. Essentially, I've got all three of the home, all four of the home teams winning. So, um, uh, generally, not all not not all of the home teams usually win. I think last year, actually, in the wild card round, all of the home teams won. So, uh, just now realizing that. But uh, yeah, I'm going with all the home teams in this one. So, I, but uh, as far as the Chiefs go, got them 27 to 10. As always, let me know your guys' thoughts on social media: Facebook.com/slash/FarzinVisugian. I will go live. On Facebook at halftime and after the game. So give me a like on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Farzin Follow me on Twitter at Farzin21. And email me Farzin at FarzinVasugian.com. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. Hey, we're actually going to start kind of close by here with Titans defensive tackle Jarrell Casey. I did say I wanted to say something about him. He went on a national radio show, and he says that if the Jaguars, if they have to put together some sort of game-winning drive, and if it's in the the hands of Blake Bortles trying to lead his team to a game-winning or tying drive, he will choke. Then he got criticized for it, and on Twitter he wrote, Chill, y'all. I was just hyping up our defense. If we put pressure, some QBs will choke. Hashtag on to KC. Hashtag tighten up. Look, if if you're putting... If you're trying to hype up your defense, so I mean, what, what are you talking? Why, why are you talking about Blake Bortles? I get it; he's in your division, but focus on Kansas City. I, I, I just don't know where this Blake Bortles comment comes from. Uh, surely, as a, as a Titans fan, you would want to see the these two teams play. Yeah, I mean, if, if the Chargers made it to the playoffs, I'd love to see round three of those two teams uh, playing in the playoffs. So, yeah, you, that, that's what makes a rivalry better, especially when you've got two division rivals going at it for a third time. Just makes it even better. And, you know, we would love to see the Chiefs do it a third time. Why not? Uh, but look, uh, I mean, the trash talk. Focus on what you have ahead of you. At least, if you're going to make a comment about a quarterback, at least make one about Alex Smith. You know, at least the guy ahead of you. But look, if Jarrell Casey and the Titans, if they don't have a good game, and if they lose, and if the Jaguars win, uh, boy, uh, the joke is going to be on uh, on Jarrell Casey. It really is. And he is going to get lit up by Jaguars fans on Twitter. He really will. So, I'm Jarrell Casey. I think I'd uh, make some plans to avoid social media this weekend. I do want to talk about the Cleveland Browns. Not the most exciting team to talk about. Winless team. But listen, uh, the draft is sort of set. But listen to what they have. In the first round, they've got the first and fourth overall picks. In rounds two, they've got the 33rd, the 35th, and the 60th pick. They've also got the 64th pick in the third round. They've got two picks in the fourth and the fifth rounds each. Now, don't forget about possible additional draft picks that could come up. Listen, this Cleveland Browns team, and I know Chiefs fans would love to see the Browns, especially since John Dorsey is there, to try to trade some of those picks to KC for Alex with or something. But listen, from a Brown standpoint, don't trade away those picks. John Dorsey has an opportunity to really build something special. When you have this many draft picks, uh, look, you can get a quarterback and you can give him some talent on on offense. Maybe you can find some talent on defense as well. Let him work with some guys. 
uh, you've got plenty of opportunities to bring in guys and build a good football team for the future. This is a this is a team that I think they they've got some some cornerstones to work with, but they've got to bring in the other pieces and fill a lot of these empty spots. And if they can do that, that'll go a long way for the Browns. It really will. Josh Gordon came back. He looked great in the limited time that he saw on, on the NFL field this season. But you know, if you, you can bring in some more guys, he'll just do an even better job. And I think you can come away with a few more wins. Next year than you did this past year. Wouldn't be too hard to do, but it would be progress for the Browns. Final thing, I did not talk about this, and I something I was wrong about. Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe there was some hype. Maybe there was some accurate hype around him. The 49ers started 0-9. They beat the Giants when Garoppolo was still watching from the sidelines for the 49ers. Then he starts the last five games, and the 49ers go undefeated with Garoppolo starting under center. If you look at his numbers, 120 of 178 for completions and attempts. 67.4 rating, 1,500 yards, 6 touchdowns, 5 picks. He did have another touchdown, but that was in a loss to Seattle where he only threw 2 passes at the end of a game. Maybe the future's going to be bright if the 49ers can keep Garoppolo. And listen, Garoppolo's going to be fielding a lot of offers. He could be one of the more, he might be the hottest free agent this year. And if he's available, oh boy, the 49ers are going to be in a bidding war with a lot of teams. And listen, draft placement's overrated, but they still have a fairly high draft pick. And they could really pick up a lot of talented players to surround Grappolo with. And Grappolo made a lot of the guys around him look great. Look, that 5-0 record is no accident. So build, bring him some guys, build a good team. And the 49ers are going to be a very competitive football team under Kyle Shanahan with Jimmy Grappolo under center if he stays there. That's going to be step one. Got to keep him, bring in other guys, and this team could be a threat, not only in the NFC West next year, but also uh, around the NFC and the entire league. Let's go out of bounds. All right, a police chase in Los Angeles, uh, just the strangest ending you will ever see. To a police chase. These guys, uh, a woman and a man, I, I believe husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, I don't know. Uh, I, I didn't look too much into, into the story, but uh, it ended like it usually does. You know, finally dead end. They're, the tires were flat, the tires were actually gone. Uh, so they had no choice but to surrender. A woman comes out first from the driver's seat, and a man also follows in the uh, from, from the driver's side also. Now look, in situations like this, you've got to have your hands up. And you've got to listen to what police officers are telling you right then and there. Otherwise, if they see anything suspicious, they'll they'll pull the trigger and they don't want to have to do that. The man, the woman has her hands up. She's complying. But the man is hugging this, this woman. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're really... Nothing says like a love, love story where, you know, you go through a Grand Theft Auto police chase together and then you've got to at least end it on a romantic hug. The woman's not having any of it. I mean, she has her hands up. Her hands are behind her head. And with her elbows trying to, like, attack the this lover of hers, pushing him away. I mean, gosh, uh, what a romantic ending to a police chase. Uh, no one was hurt, at least. I, I hope not. Uh, I, I know I saw a couple of accidents here and there. But 
uh, at least I don't think anyone was seriously injured and kind of a nice love story until uh, police came and they, they got closer and they tased the guy for not complying and look rightfully so you're an idiot uh, you'll be able to hug your lover eventually don't worry but at least for now do what the police officers are telling you to do one other thing I want to talk about here this is not a favorite story of mine I, I don't, I don't want to get into this but it, it, it's a serious issue in our society. That people just making crude comments. Inappropriate comments. Uh, for those who know, Chris Cyborg, uh, a UFC fighter, a female UFC fighter. Her first name is Chris, C-R-I-S. She defeated Holly Holm. Big win for her. Re- retained her featherweight title at UFC 219. I was there to see that in Vegas. But uh, Holly Holm, she, uh, she fights out of Jackson Wink MMA, which is a gym full of a lot of great fighters for whatever reason Jackson Wink MMA fighters from that gym have been losing a lot lately now they have a photographer from their own gym that's that was out there to capture some moments and went to capture the press conference she, uh, the the photographer Mark Aragon takes a picture of Chris Cyborg and apparently he was angry because he heard negative comments about Holly Holm from Chris Cyborg's coaches and, and whatnot Look, I mean, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a verbally brutal sport. People say things about each other. You've got to have thick skin in this industry. Um, but certain comments, I think, are out of line. Chris Cyborg has been the victim of some really nasty comments. People are saying she looks like a man, saying she has male parts in her body. She, uh, people are saying she's on steroids, even though she's been cleared by the United States of America doping agency. People are just c- continuously... Uh, the, the most part is people are just continuously calling her a man. It's just completely uncalled for, unnecessary. This photographer goes on social media and says, Holly Holm is my hero. She made this man bleed and uh, you know kept calling him a dude, uh, referred to him as a he, his, him, those kinds of things. Look, you're just a child, Mark Aragon. You really are. Uh, first of all, it's not like these comments are original anyway. Uh, come up with some, something different first of all uh, second of all these are just really nasty what do people gain from this what do people uh, listen MMA fighters especially female fighters some of them they're, they're wearing less clothing so you see certain parts but yeah, some of them even get modeling gigs out of this and listen that's just the world we live in if you're attractive and you're in an is- industry like MMA where you know you, all you have on is a top and, and short shorts People, guys get attracted to that uh, some thirsty guys and, and fighters like Paige Van Zandt they get modeling gigs now is Chris Cyborg the most attractive woman out there no not at all I mean you, you're not going to see Chris Cyborg on the cover of, of, of some magazine or, or, or posing for or as, as a model for any, for any outlet but these comments are just completely uncalled for uh, they really are uh there's a reason. I mean, there's a reason why so many people are intimidated by Cyborg. She is a nasty fighter. I mean, this woman will kill a lot of guys in the UFC. Truth be told, and I guess that's why so many people are just saying nasty things about her. I guess I don't know, but that photographer has been banned, credentials taken away from the UFC, and rightfully so. Uh, completely uncalled for. Just because he heard negative comments about Holly Holm uh, in the fight doesn't doesn't make it right to call her a man. I mean, he took it to a completely different level. And deservedly got his credentials removed. You're an idiot. And you just paid a big price for it. Everyone's torching you and your team on social media. And it just makes Holly Holm look bad. Who's one of the nicest people that people come across. So, 
Mark Aragon, uh, in this day and age where, where you know negative comments like that are going to be all over social media and all over media outlets, why do you even say that? You know it's going to go viral for the wrong reasons. Bad for him, but uh, good for the UFC taking away his credentials. Final segment, time to throw some penalty flags. Alright, I I thought there was word that the Bengals were not going to retain Marvin Lewis. I don't know, I guess the way they stunned the the Ravens and kept him out of the playoffs, maybe that played a hand in him retaining his job. Maybe the fact that he has a 125-112-3 record with the Bengals, the winningest coach in Bengals history, I get that. But look, the Bengals have had a losing season the last two years. They're 0-7 in the playoffs. They lost in the playoffs for five straight years. I get it. Marvin Lewis is a great regular season coach. But if you can't win in the play, the ultimate goal is the Super Bowl. Unless the Bengals, if if the ownership there, the Paul family, if they're content with just getting to the playoffs, then I guess Marvin Lewis is doing a fine job. But I think the average NFL fan does not want just a fine job. They want someone. If they're going to go to the playoffs seven times, you better come away with a couple wins at the very least. Marvin Lewis hasn't even had any success. Zero wins in the playoffs. So I'm kind of surprised that the Bengals went in this direction. And uh, I said before the season, if Marvin Lewis doesn't get to the playoffs, he should be fired. And that's not the case. 0-7 in the playoffs. The regular season record, cool. Uh, But that doesn't mean everything. You've got to win in the playoffs. Unless the Bengals just have low standards. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. Maybe this is why I'm not an owner or a guy who makes these kinds of decisions with with head coaches. I don't know. That's just me. Our good buddy, former Chiefs head coach Todd Haley in the news. For wrong reasons, he injured his hip outside of a bar on New Year's near Heinz Field. Uh, Someone apparently pushed him from behind aggressively. It must have been aggressive if he hurt his hip. Uh, Police investigation underway. Look, uh... Todd Haley's been involved in some crazy incidents. We know about him and some of the sideline altercations he's had in Arizona and in Kansas City. In Kansas City, he was, of course, accused of flipping off a fan on his way out. Uh, uh, Now, he seems to have calmed down a little bit in in Pittsburgh. But who's to say, you know, I mean, by the way, it's okay for him to go to a bar. People act like coaches and players should not be doing anything. Like, like, Todd Mahomes should not even be at Allen Fields. He should be focusing on the game. Listen, you cannot focus on the game 24-7. You have downtime. You have the right to go out and do some things in the, in the city. Uh, but man, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I'm having a hard time believing that Todd Haley is innocent in all of this. I think he may have done something or said something that could have initiated this. I'm not making excuses or saying it's okay. But look, we know it's Todd Haley at the end of the day. Well, let's not, let's not hide from that. Final one from me. Oh boy, this guy's starting to become one of my favorite guys to put on the penalty flag segment. Baker Mayfield. Oklahoma blew a 31-14 lead. Uh, but man, Baker Mayfield, life comes at you real fast. Like, I mean, if it was possible to like recreate the Jordan crying meme, I, I think Baker Mayfield might be the temporary Jordan crying meme for the time being. But gosh, uh, what a brutal end 
for Oklahoma. Just a great season for the Sooners. And that is how you end it. I mean, look, props to the other players, but Baker Mayfield, the 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 reputation he's earned, hate to say it, but he deserved this loss. Absolutely deserved it. That'll do it for this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Farzi Vasugian here with you. Playoffs underway. It's a playoff preview edition of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, let a friend know. Share it on social media, facebook.com slash Farzi Vasugian. Like my page. Interact with me for Facebook Live at halftime and after the game. Join me on Facebook Live. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine 21 Also, email me, Farzine at FarzineVasugian.com. Picking the Chiefs to win 27-10 in this one. And I see them advancing, moving on to Foxborough for the following Saturday. So we'll see. But first, got to kick off the postseason right. And it's going to be with a Chiefs win at Arrowhead. Their first win at Arrowhead since 1994. I think that'll change as well this Saturday. 3.30 ESPN or at Arrowhead Stadium. One way or another, going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think Chiefs fans going to be celebrating Saturday night. Till then, talk to you guys Sunday morning for the recap episode. And talk about some news and notes around the NFL. And then our preview episode will be out on Wednesday again. Big thanks to all of you for listening. Talk to you next week.